Hey everybody, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. And today I have a great episode for you. Today I am speaking with Father Stephen Gadbury. You may have seen him on Instagram, I'm not sure. He is actually a Catholic priest and a hunter and uh, just an all-around kind of good dude. And, um, you know, I'm not Catholic, but uh, I did kind of just see his Instagram account and thought it was interesting and thought it'd be cool just to have a conversation. So, um, you know, we talk about hunting and uh, fitness and stuff, but, you know, we really dig into some more spiritual stuff um, as it relates to us and as men and as fathers and hunters. And um, it's a really good conversation, guys. It's uh, very genuine. I think it's going to help some people out there for sure. And, um, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is being intentional about growing your, your faith and your walk with God. And as I call it, your spiritual fitness, you know, um, like I mentioned the episode and I've mentioned many times before, um, there's tons of great stuff out there about physical and mental fitness and developing that. Um, there's not a whole lot of great resources for, Men, especially, I feel like, in terms of growing your spiritual fitness, and that's a huge component to your overall health. And you know, if you don't have any connection to the source, um, I don't think that you're gonna be walking your full potential. Um, you know, whether that be as a father, as a you know, a career man, as a uh, hunter, anything. So, um, you know, I do mention in this episode about a book that I am in the process of publishing. Um, I wrote it a year or two ago, um, when I was kind of starting this whole journey and, uh, I kind of shelved it for a while, but, um, kind of entering into the publishing phase of that right now. So I'm not exactly sure when I'll drop this podcast, but, um, you may want to look and see if that book is available. If it is, I highly recommend you take, uh, take a chance and grab a copy. It's, um, if it's not out yet, it will be. So be on the lookout, but it's basically a, what I call it is a spiritual fitness program. It's just a very practical guide on how to develop your walk with God, your relationship with God, your faith, your spirituality, whatever you want to call it. Um, I felt like uh, a lot of guys need and want to grow in that area of their lives, but don't really know how. And there's not a lot of good resources out there. So I wrote a book and a plan. It's actually a 90 day plan it takes you through step by step every single day what to do how to grow and I guarantee you if you walk through that plan you will grow and you will come out a changed person it it's, it's exactly how I did and it was developed over a long period of me trying to find answers for those same questions so go ahead and look for that book now if it's not released yet when this airs it will be soon but I just figured it was worth mentioning Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I think, like I said, it'll be very helpful to some folks out there. Um, you know, please uh, share this podcast with friends, family, someone in your life that needs to hear it. Please share it with them. I think there's a lot of tough, tough guys out there that might be hurting inside and aren't really wanting to talk about it. So this might be the episode for them or for you if you're listening. Um, so, you know. God loves you. I love you. You can always reach out to me on Instagram at the Hunter's Quest if you need to talk. If you need somebody to ask questions, I, um, you know, I feel like it's part of my ministry. My uh, mission here at the Hunter's Quest is to help guys grow uh, as hunters, as men, and that means as Christians, as men of faith, um, or even if you're not a Christian but you need some guidance, please hit me up at the Hunter's Quest. Send me a message. Um, 
You can also email me. I'm going to go ahead and drop my email. It's hunter at thehuntersquest.com. If you need someone to talk to, I'd be happy to talk to you about this stuff. Um, you know, God changed my life. My family changed, you know, was there with me every step of the way. Um, but uh, you got to be connected to the source. So anyway, this is a great episode. Uh, please like and subscribe. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Be on the lookout for all the stuff I got coming. I really appreciate y'all's support. And we'll see you on the next one. All right, guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters, and today I'm joined by Father Stephen Gadbury. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Hunter. Doing well, man. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Um, I like uh, I like your your background. It's very like official and like, you know. <laughs> is that what you wear? Is that like your office attire, I guess? Man, as, as cool as a priest, I wear this every single day. Okay. Like black, black pants, black shirt. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> And like when I was getting ready for the podcast, I was like looking at your Instagram a little more and I clicked on a video because I'd never actually heard you speak. And uh, I actually had a cousin who was a Catholic priest. And um, I feel like a lot of priests have like this priestly sound of their voice. And you have like a very like country boy voice and I love it. <laughs> cool, man. That's awesome. It's good to hear. Yeah, it's it's uh, when you're kind of in the professional like um public speaking field like which as mm -hmm. a minister you know we are like it's you have you actually have a lot of different voices so it's like yeah is it an out voice is it the formal teaching voice preaching voice you know it's just yeah funny yeah yeah my cousin that was um in the priesthood he i mean he spent like man i mean a long time and i'd like to maybe hear a little bit about your experiences but um you know, had to learn like eight languages or something. He like studied in the Vatican and I, and he's from Kentucky too. So, but I feel like almost all that time spent like speaking and learning other languages and maybe living in Italy, maybe like changed his voice a little or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe so. So I've done, uh, and we'll get into this in a little bit. I, I was in the military and I was stationed in Germany for a little over two years. So being with international people, that affects your accent. And then yeah. I also was in Rome. I was in Rome too for four years. So I may know your okay. cousin. Yeah. Jason Clark. Does that ring a bell? Uh, no, 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 yeah, no, no. I think he's considerably older. How old are you? Uh, 30. I'll be 38 in November. Okay. Okay. Um, cool, man. Well, um, yeah, I just, you know, like I said, we were chatting off air a little bit. I don't have a, um, really, I don't really, I used to prepare really heavily for podcasts, and now I kind of, I still do sometimes, I do a little bit of preparation, but sometimes I just like to kind of let it flow and just kind of get to know folks and stuff, so I don't have like a huge agenda or anything, but, um, you know, I, I've i been following you on Instagram for a while, I don't remember how I came across your account, but um, but I think it's, you're unique, um, you know, as people who don't follow you, if you guys follow him on Instagram, um, he's a Catholic priest, as you probably surmised from what we've been saying so far, but... Um, yeah, you don't see too many, like, you know, it's just, I thought you were an interesting character. Um, yeah. you're, you're really into hunting and fitness like me, you're Christian, you know, obviously, you know, you're Catholic. I'm not, but that's okay. We're still believers in Christ. Um, but, uh, I think we got a lot more in common than we do not in common. Um, but anyway, I just thought you were an interesting character. So I wanted to just kind of get to know you a little bit, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for the invite. Thanks for this opportunity. You know, man, life's short. 
And um, I think too many of us are too afraid to live the beautiful life that God's given us. And we, we wear ourselves out trying to live the lives that other people are living, you know? And so that doesn't mean we just say, oh, the heck with it. I'm going to be who I want to be. We see that going on in our culture and society and it's destroying, it's destroying it, yes. you know? I mean, we have to participate in something much bigger than ourselves and we have to have the freedom to, to, to stay in our lane and to, to be who God made us to be. There's a cool yes. saying by this saint from, you know, 500 years ago, her name's St. Catherine of Siena. She said, be who God made you to be and you'll set the world on fire. Mm. And so often we try to be who other people are and we end up miserable and burnt out and jealous and resentful at the world, you know? So mm -hmm. anyhow, all this to bring it back, just to say, like, I try to use this, this little platform of social media just to share, like, kind of my candid personal side of life to hopefully inspire people to have the freedom to, to be joyful people, you know, enjoy yeah. life. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that. I mean, um, I, I say that a lot on different podcasts, you know, Jesus came to bring us life and life to the full, not, Amen. you know, a life we hate. He didn't die on the cross to give us a miserable life. Like, you know, <laughs> um, and I've talked about this a lot too, but I just wanted to like share it with you. You know, I grew up Baptist or whatever. And something that, like, I don't think is intentional, but maybe it's some kind of lie from the enemy that's, like, infiltrated certain branches of the church. Um, I feel like certain denominations maybe are, like, too overboard. Yes, we are born sinners, and, like, without Christ, we're separated from God, 100%. But, like, some people take it, like, too far, where, like, there's, like, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. And, and so, anyway, somehow as a child, it got like ingrained subconsciously in my brain. And I had to like heal from this that like anything that I, me being a sinner, anything I liked or enjoyed must be inherently bad just because I like and enjoy it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's something common with people or not, but I had to kind of realize and to your point, like God's a good father. He made us to have these uh, interests and desires and, and hobbies or whatever for a reason and like we shouldn't you know obviously there's some things we should avoid but um you know if you love hunting if you love fitness or you know if it's healthy and you're not taking it too far he wants you to enjoy life yeah man saint paul says you know run the race so as to win i think that that scripture verse can be applied to all areas of your life if you're going to do something be all in with it and that yeah. gives glory to god except for, for sin sure. which yeah. sin in itself is actually like a a negative action. I don't want to get too theological in it, but sin is an absence of love. So it's it's not like a positive or like it's not something bad that you're doing. It's something good that you're not doing. And so whenever mm -hmm. we sin, we intentionally choose to not do good. It's an absence of love. So pretty much anything we do other than sin, like if you do it with everything you've got, it participates in God's greater plan of salvation and it gives glory to God and it brings other people to God, you know? Yeah. For sure, man. Um, so cool. Yeah. Um, let me, I'd love to hear a little bit about like we were, you're talking about just um, where you're from, background, how you got into the priesthood. I mean, uh, that's um, uh, a, I don't know, unique path, I guess, or I don't know. <laughs> I got my camera. I have two dogs. I'll start with that. Okay. Uh, Jordy, come on, let's go. Shorty, Murph, come on, come on, 
<laughs> so yeah, I got two dogs. You just heard my beagle, who was uh just baying like a like a crazy dog. Come on, knucklehead. Where do you live at? <laughs> I live in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. Uh, born and raised here in Arkansas. Grew up on a family farm in the Arkansas Delta, about an hour west of Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, worked my whole life there on the farm. As soon as I could start working a job legally, I started working. Um, after high school, I was in the military for a few years, and then uh, did then you grow up Catholic? I'm assuming, yeah. or no? Okay. Yeah, always, always been Catholic. I grew up um, here in Arkansas. There's not a lot of Catholics. The majority of my friends were were Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Church of Christ. So I have mm-hmm. a, a very deep knowledge of all these other denominations. And some of my best friends are uh, in different denominations. You know, we're we're trying to do the best we can to give our whole heart to the to the same Lord. You know. Yeah. And uh, while I was in the military, I uh, that's kind of when I heard the calling and just decided to say, like, well, God, you know, if you want this to happen, like, I'm all in. You're going to have to help me make it happen. This was in um, just after you know, 2005, six, seven. So we were, you know, neck deep in the war in the Middle East. And, and uh, I was just pretty busy over there doing I was deployed to Iraq and everything and all right back up back up you're giving me like the reader's digest version i want some juicy details man (laughs) okay so okay you grew up on a family farm you grew up hunting as well no actually not i mean group we had guns and stuff like we would shoot turtles and snakes that was hunting for us but no one in my family really hunted deer or ducks just like plinking with 22s and that kind of good stuff Yeah. yeah totally man um and then okay so what Tell me about getting into the military. Let's let's start there a little bit. So yeah. dig into that a little bit for me. Cool. Yeah. So um, after high school, my mom and grandma made me go to college for a year. Um, no one in my family is educated. Just a couple people went to college for a little bit, but really nobody in my family is educated. So come from a very poor family. And so my whole family was insistent on all of us going to college so we mm-hmm. could you know get an education and make money and everything. And I absolutely hated it. I'll back up and just say um, I was in a car wreck in 94 with my dad and a couple of sisters in mine. And my dad and my older sister both died. My dad was 32. Oh, sister was 11. I was Wait, How old were you? I was eight years old. Wow. My do you remember sister, it? I do. I do. Yeah. That's, um, that's wild, man. Yeah, Sorry I about survived. that. Yeah. Thanks, man. My little sister, she was three. She survived as well. She was in a body cast. She was bad. My mom wow. was not but she was pregnant with twins. So all this thing like affected my upbringing. And so uh, after school, my mom and grandma want me to go to college and, and just continue to like grow and just be, you know, just productive in life. And, mm-hmm. but I hated it. I've never been the school type. And uh, so then to bring it back to your question, that's seminary must've been great, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Funny man, you know, that's when I joined the military. I was like, I don't want to go to school. I just want to work. And so military was like the quickest way to to work and get good pay for it. So I did and went in to do a survival job, like a special operations job. And, uh-huh. I, and I didn't make the cut. And I was really bummed about that. But it was such a blessing because by then I was just kind of going on natural talent. But by getting washed out, like the Lord taught me how to, by that, through that failure, he taught me how to go past what I perceived to be my limit, you know, mm-hmm. to go to a dark spot or just go to the next level. I got put into logistics and that really upset me because I was like, man, I joined the military and I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a mailman with camouflage. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> but, but it was so cool how it worked out because 
I did that training and I took it serious because I didn't want to fail out of that. Sure. And that's whenever I fell in love with studying because I realized the more I study, the better grades I get. And it's kind of like a competition. Mm-hmm. I'm very competitive. So I did that. Ended up getting stationed in Germany. I was just a little E2, but I got a quality control job. And so, you know, whenever somebody in the military would move bases, the government will pay a moving company to move all their stuff. Right. And so I'm the liaison between these German moving companies and the U.S. troops, mm-hmm. anywhere from the lowest enlisted to the highest generals. I got a government car and I made my own my own work schedule. I was driving all over Germany. It was just That's the cool. sweet. You have a sweetest gig for a 20 year old kid, you know, and um, that just taught me a lot of responsibility, a lot about hard work and maturity. Um, and it was in that time. That was my first time away from my family. I grew up in a very close family and that was my first time away from the family. And the one thing that, well, a couple of things that stuck with me, one was hard work. So I grew up with that and I was able to still work hard. The other thing was my faith, my relationship with the Lord. Now, before this time, my relationship with the Lord was always in the family context. Mm. And so it was while I was off on my own that that was really the first time I kind of had like this deep personal encounter with the Lord, this deep personal relationship with Jesus. You kind of have to move from like it's your parents' faith into like it's yours. That that took me as a process for me as well. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm sure, you know, like the same thing, like when that happens, man, just stuff starts happening in life. And you're like, Mm. Jesus, you're cool, man. (laughs) And then then the rest is history. And that's, that's whenever like it was on my heart, it would just be these random ideas of like, man, maybe I could do ministry. Maybe I could be a priest. And then those random ideas became coincidences. And then before long, I realized, no, God's inviting me to, to drop my nets and follow him. And Mm. as soon, as soon as that became clear, I was like, Lord, I'm all yours. And he was like, uh, basically like, perfect. Now you get eight years of school. <laughs> <laughs> so was it like a, um, a, a, cause a lot of times people think, and even like when you're reading the Bible and stuff and, and it says like, and then God said, or like mm-hmm. I say sometimes when I'm in a conversation and God told me to, do, but God speaks in like a still small voice. Usually I find, yeah. um, yeah. you know, I've never heard an audible voice. I'm sure some people have. Uh, God has very rarely like slapped me in the face or something. It's usually very subtle. Was there a one moment for you or was it like a slow, subtle process? Yeah, it was definitely the second, this slow, subtle process. You know, I haven't heard like an audible voice or like little lips having appear appeared in the clouds and started <laughs> talking to me, you know, but it's just like, just to use like a secular word or phrase or like, you just get like a hunch. It's just like, man, mm. it's just nagging feeling. It, it won't go away. And I'll, look, I'll back up just a, a little bit and connect it to what we started talking about. When I was in the military, I was having more fun than I ever had in my life. And I was all in, I was doing it with everything I had and having so much fun. And it was in that joy. It was in that joy that, that I started like kind of getting this little, hunch inside me this this nudge this this little just this pull this tug and so that's connected to what we're talking about earlier do what brings you authentic joy Mm. not just human pleasure but a deep joy and there you will find god and and it's in that joy that you become grateful for life you become uh more generous with what you've received and those are characteristics of a christian right gratitude 
God's mercy and grace and generosity with what they've received, you know? So, man, it was through that, just this slow, gradual, you know, growth. And yeah. yeah, that's, that's how it so came about. For me, um, you know, I was raised in the church, uh, involved in church. I, you know, I believe I was saved. I've kind of come to not really buy into once saved, always saved uh, mm -hmm. anymore. Um, so I would say I was saved as a child, as a young person. And I, mm -hmm. I feel like I totally walked away to the point where, like, I don't know if I would have gone to heaven if I had died in that. Mm -hmm. That's how kind of deep in I was. Um, and then I kind of came back and had that moment where it became my faith. It became real to me, and I started walking it out. Um, but there was a big chunk in there um, where I was, you know, looking to drugs, girls, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, did you have kind of a phase like that, or did you not really have to get all that, not walk through all that mire like I did? Yeah, yeah good, good question. So kind of like twofold, like one, I didn't really, I never really turned away from God completely, never went really off the deep end. Um, that being said, like, you know, I mean, like I'm not dumb. Like I, I was just around all this stuff. And so it's like the Lord, maybe because he knows my just like how all in I am that he knew that if, if I would have followed in, there would have been like no return, but he allowed me to get like, be there right at it to see it and, mm. and to not be naive to it. If that makes some sense. Yeah. Kind of. How, yeah. how did you like, did you kind of start down that path and just see like, Hey, there's no fulfillment in this. Or did you watch friends kind of go down there? Or? Yeah, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. I mean, I, um, like, for example, like high school and that one year of college and the military, you know, I'd go to parties or, and stuff like that, but I would just, I just didn't like it. Like, it was like, okay, it was up yeah. too late. I don't like staying up late and, and all this other stuff. So I, I would, I was in the environment of it, but I was yeah. just, I did just wasn't having fun. That's good, you know, man. That's kind of how the, the Lord kept me safe. But, you know, back to what you were saying about, you know, being saved and then, you know, like once or it's once and done or it's mm -hmm. an ongoing thing i think it's kind of a both and we have to make a, a definitive profession in the lord every day like it's we've renewed yeah. that commitment walking this, with him right amen man like the most most of the people that listen to this podcast are associated or know or do some sort of hunting and so like if you're shooting your rifle your bow whatever and you get it dialed in you don't hang up your equipment and say hey i'm good and i'm gonna make one shot every year on the animal and that's <laughs> it because because I know I can hit the bullseye. No, you're shooting that sucker every chance you get. Mm -hmm. Same thing with our relationship with the Lord. Like once we profess our faith in the Lord and accept him as our Lord and Savior, all right, then then that's when the work begins. Then we mm -hmm. got to keep the equipment dialed in, keep it clean, keep it, keep, keep everything working, you know, and, yeah, and that's, that's a daily struggle. That's, yeah. Yeah, man. I like that. I like that. Um, I was going to ask this later, but it's just kind of coming up now. So I'll just ask you now. Um, when I, when I became, when I like, when my faith became real to me, and I really was starting to walk in it and stuff like that. I had to learn how to proverbially, you know, whatever, go to the range spiritually, you know, yeah. like how to, how to, and it's just like fitness, you know, um, same thing. Um, you can't just like join a gym and be like, all right, I'm in shape now. You got to go every day and like work out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, 
in the faith tradition I grew up in, I was only really, I wasn't really equipped fully, I don't think. Like, obviously, they told me, you know, read your Bible and pray. But mm-hmm. praying always involved talking. And reading the Bible is great, and you should read the Bible. But it can also get to a point where it's just like kind of checking a box. So I had to really go through this whole process of figuring out practically how to like develop my relationship with God, my spirituality, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and then kind of, I went into some more charismatic circles and stuff like that. I worked for the Christian broadcasting network. Um, And so, and then, and then if you get into those circles, you start to run into very flowery kind of, Mm-hmm. language that you're like what does that mean like just soak in his presence or whatever it's like okay and i get that what that means now but you know you get into some stuff where you're just like what does that mean so like and guys like me who are very practical it's like how do i do this um <clears throat> and actually i just recently um started moving forward with a book i'm um coming out with about getting spiritually in shape or spiritual fitness i call it but anyway um, how do you practically like commune with God? Um, like what are your, some of your practices in terms of, uh, walking with the Lord? And Hunter, that's a fantastic question. And this is like probably like three or four podcasts to talk about, <laughs> but so man, there are, there are definitely boxes we got to check. I mean, we have to love the Lord with our whole heart and love our neighbor as ourselves, And we got to do that, not just in word, but in action. So there's yeah. stuff to do. We got to read the scriptures and be in it. We have to complete tasks because, I mean, if I was married, like I'm not married for those who are listening, like I'm a Catholic priest, so we don't get married. It's <laughs> yeah. we're giving a whole life to the church, whole life to the Lord. Um, but if I have a wife and I say, and I always just say, "Hey, baby, I love you," you know, I "Love you, love you," but I, I'm never with her. I, I never talk to her. I never do anything for her. Like she's before long, she's going to say, yeah. "You don't love me." Like. Actions are not the only thing. Intentions are too. But so we got to do those things. Um, that's that's one thing. Um, another thing is like is silence, man. Mm. Our world is terrified of silence because in the silence we have to wrestle with the big questions of life. Why am I here? What is my purpose? When will I die? Because we all know what's coming. How will I die? What will I be remembered for? Am I doing the best I can with what I've got? These existential questions that scare the hell out of us. They terrify us because they force us to be 100% present to reality. And it's only in reality that we encounter God. So this silence is something that we long for because we want the answers to those questions, but we're terrified to ask them. You know, if that makes sense. Like our heart longs to have the answer to those. And ultimately, the Lord is the only the only answer. Yep. And, and, but our heart longs for that. But our heart is terrified to ask it because we know that the answer is requires our life, man. And so we have to be active. We have to do the stuff. But I would say a, a key element that many people are not doing is silence. Totally and agree. If people would implement that in their life, more silence in their life, I hundred percent guarantee they would have a change. And it doesn't have to be crazy like a monk, but if you can work up to 15 minutes of silence every day, like mm-hmm. that change your life, just start with two or three or five minutes. And it can be as simple as driving to or from work or school with your radio off, just the silence there. It'll be hard at first, but you'll come to love that silence. Or 
um, from 5 p.m. until night, you know, till you go to bed, like no electronics or little things like that. These little bitty escapes, these little bitty um, moments of refuge. And, and it's in that silence that we hear, as what you mentioned earlier, that still small voice of the Lord. Um, man, so I kind of went down some bunny holes on that. And I don't think I answered your question, but no, no. All, uh, all that to say, like, we have stuff that we got to do. We need silence to process all of it and to hear the Lord's voice. And again, it'll go back to what I've already said a couple times. Um, don't be afraid to fail and be all in with what you're doing. The Lord takes more pleasure in a sinner who is going all in and keeps messing up but is trying than one who is afraid to act. Yeah. Because those errors, through those mistakes, with his mercy and grace, we learn from them. Just like, again, using the, the weapon analogy, when we're dialing in a new gun or a bow, we have to be willing to take that first shot. And we know, without a doubt, it's not going to be a bullseye. But what do you do? You shoot until you get it on paper, mm -hmm. and then you keep shooting, and you incrementally move it to the bullseye. I mean, that's nothing other than spiritual life. You know? Totally, and yeah. The, um, I, I share this image all the time when I talk about this, but the, the Hebrew word for sin is chata. You know, I'm not trying to impress you or whatever, but like no, the word for sin, that, that, that's the word that they use for sin. It all, it means to miss the mark. And when we sin, we're not loving. We're not doing what God called us to do. That is the exact same word that they use in, in hunting and archery for saying you missed the bullseye. Mm. So it's just this cool scriptural connection of, yeah, you missed the, you missed the bullseye. Okay. Adjust your sight, you know, rack another round, knock yeah. another air. Let it go and keep adjusting. That's what the Lord calls us to do. Be all in, crash and burn, get up and go again. You know? Yeah. So. <laughs> no, that's, uh, no, that's good, man. Um, it reminds me of, um, <clears throat> I don't know what the official Catholic church stance is on praying in tongues, but, um, <laughs> and that, uh, you know, that could be a whole other rabbit trail there too, but. The gift of the um, spirit. Yeah. And um, I don't do it publicly but i do think it's something that i do incorporate into my spiritual practice mm -hmm. in the secret place like in my quiet time in the morning i like to get up about an hour before my family have some coffee try to read the word pray and sometimes i incorporate that um anyway the only reason i'm getting into that is because i liked your um your bullseye analogy because when i was trying to figure out how to do that or what that looked like or what that was. Um, part of it is, and this can be applied to any kind of thing. You just have to like start and try. Mm -hmm. And you know, the analogy I always would say is like, if you, like if you have a small child mm -hmm. and you're trying to teach them how to speak or to read and they start saying something that makes no sense or it's terrible or you're not going to like slap them and be like, how dare you? That was wrong. You're like, Oh, yeah. good job. You know, you tried good work. It wasn't right. But, and that's how God is as our father. Like he's not going to be mad at you for trying. Um, he's, he's like, Oh, good job, man. You tried. Yeah, it was totally wrong. You didn't do it well, but he can redeem that. And, and you know, that's how you get better and that's how you get to the bullseye. Right. Exactly, man. Just, you know, same thing with a child learning to walk. The parent is just a step ahead of them. They, mm -hmm. They're all, but it's the falling down and getting up that physiologically builds muscle. So the yeah. kid won't be stronger if mom always holds the baby, right? So mom has to let the baby fall for the sake of learning, but mom never abandons the baby. Our Lord is the same. Like he's there, you know, encouraging us on. 
Um, man, going back to the silence and this whole thing of missing mm-hmm. the mark, a, a beautiful prayer practice that I, maybe a lot of your guys would, and, and gals that listen to this could relate to is um, kind of a way of journaling. And, you know, if I say, yeah, write in your journal every day, like most hunters are going to say, uh, no, home dog, I ain't going to do that. Like <laughs> uh, my, my teenage girl does that. I, I don't write in the <laughs> And so a way of thinking of it is like every day, just think of your hits and your misses. Like, where did you hit the bullseye? Like mm-hmm. what went well? What was yeah. good? What was a place of joy and happiness in your life? And what was a miss? How did you miss the bullseye? You know, how did you mess up? And take a mental note of it or write it in a, in a booklet or on your phone in a note. And, what, and then after you do that for a few weeks, just keep up the, the habit, the process of it. But go back and read through it. And what's going to happen is you're going to realize you're going to find patterns in your hits. You're going to find patterns in your misses. And then that helps you to diagnose, you know, target panic. <laughs> helps you diagnose your, your bad equipment. So if you realize that for four days out of the week, one of your misses was yelling at the wife and the kids as soon as she got home from work. So what you realize is that, okay, one of my trigger points is after work. I'm pretty stressed out and tired. And I take it out of my family. So what I'm going to do whenever I get home, instead of walking straight in the house, I'm going to walk around the block once and then I'm going to go inside. Mm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. ways of, of learning, you know, that's good. You know, we evaluate our hits and misses uh, and then process that in the silence and pray with it. But yeah, no, that's good, man. And I do actually want to dig in a little bit deeper in the silence thing. Yeah, mainly for my own benefit, um, (laughs) because it's something I kind of think about or I don't know if struggle with is the word, but maybe Um, it's so hard, especially now for me, I'm assuming everyone else to to do it. Okay, here's my question. So when you get into like Eastern and like meditation, it's all about like clearing the mind. Right. And like, yeah not thinking of anything and like intentionally being like, and I've heard some pastors say that like, that's bad and that can be even opening yourself up to some stuff. Um, you know, there's the, obviously that famous line in Psalm, like, um, be still and know that I am God. Um, and so obviously I think most of us, when we are silent, our brain will immediately start going, did you feed the dog? Did you give the cat its medicine? Did you do this at work? Did you do, um, and I think that there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but when you're like intentionally trying to be in the presence of God or cultivate that silence or listen to God, that stuff's not productive. Now, one side note thing, I always have like a little thing, like if you do get something that you have to do later, just jot it down real quick, then your brain will let you forget it. But um, how do you do that? Do you intentionally try to clear your mind or do you focus on a scripture? How do you, like, what do you do there? Man, you got some great questions, Hunter. So I'll begin by preface this this answer with just making a distinction for the Eastern religions, because you, you started with that. So there are Eastern um like like Eastern religions that are not Christian. Um Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, all like those, those are like it's a mysticism, but Christ is absent. And so the mm-hmm. the of yourself is like a deletion of yourself an erasing of yourself. God does not want that. God doesn't want you to be erased. He wants you to be fully present. So the, the, the good Eastern, um, 
reflection and uh, mysticism would be connected with, for example, like the the monks from the, the early Christianity that would go into the desert. And the sake of the silence there is to get rid of the distraction so that you can better hear the voice of Christ. Just like, and, and so I just want to make that distinction. They're very similar, but one of them yeah. is a complete and a refusal of the fullness of life. The other one is, is done for the sake of making ourselves more aware of the Lord's presence in our life. Cause the Lord's always there. We're just not yeah. listening. So that being said, the practical thing that you mentioned is like, yeah, write stuff down. We're going to have a million voices in our head. And um, and just like if you ride a tr- drive a truck down a dirt road, it's going to be dusty as soon as you park your truck. You just got to let the dust settle. And the same thing goes in our mind. Like when we go into the silence, we're going to have all this static and this noise. That's normal. Mm-hmm. That's normal. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. Um, And just jot stuff down. That's I'll I'll kind of just run a list of pretty much everything that comes to mind, jot it down. And then, so th- that, that's one thing, a kind of a process that I do is, um, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll pick up the scripture and just read through the gospels. I like the gospels cause they're very vivid and I'll just gently read through them until something resonates, you know, one of the, uh, a, a word from Jesus or something that one of the disciples do or a, a leper or a prostitute that comes to Jesus. Maybe I'll read a line and like something about it kind of catches. So then I put my scriptures aside and then I just sit there. I just try to physically get in a comfortable position. And then when I'm physically still, that leads me to become more aware of just like this, like the inward noises that I hear, which then helps me to enter into the silence. So the physical stillness leads to this inward silence and calmness Mm -hmm. and that inward calmness and silence then um, allows me to be more reflective of what's going on around me and the Lord speaking to me. And the more clearly I hear his voice, then the better I can respond to him. So I just kind of go through that process, physical stillness leading to an inward silence, inward silence, creating this, this atmosphere that's conducive to hearing the Lord's voice hear the Lord's voice and respond. You know, that's kind of the simple answer. Hope it no, maybe that's it's good. That's good. That's, and it's, it's kind of similar to sometimes I'll, um, I'll read through a Psalm and like pray it, you know what I mean? <laughs> like kind of personalize it and pray it back to the Lord. I feel like that's yeah. it's pretty kind of similar, but, but I like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's so interesting, man. I took a whole class. I, I did, um, seminary, not Catholic, but, um, you know, I did like a MDiv program. I didn't finish it all the way, about seventy percent. But um, and like one of the cl- the first classes we took was spiritual formation, and mm-hmm. it was so interesting because it was like a lot of this stuff, like like how to actually practically practice, you know, this stuff, like practice the presence of God or whatever. And it's it's so interesting because it's like I said, it's a it's a thing that a lot of people talk about and like these like euphemisms and flowery stuff, but it's like. Okay, but like, what does it actually mean? Like, what are you doing? You know, that's pretty cool. The prayer, prayer is just an action that we do that makes us, that disposes us to better hear the voice of God. That's, that's, Mm. helps us to listen to God is ultimately what it is. Like, he doesn't have a talk. He already knows what we know, what we know. So, but we speak to the Lord to relate to the Lord so we can have that conversation. Going back to the Psalms, man, that's a beautiful thing to pray with. If, 
like I used to struggle whenever I would get mad at God or because I was thinking like, oh, dude, you're a bad person. You can't get mad at God or you can't get mad at life. Or anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, have you read the Psalms? Oh, yeah. Dude, David gets mad at God all the time. He's <laughs> like, basically like, God, you figure it out. You called me. I did everything I can. It's, a, it's up to you now. Yeah. <laughs> I quit. Man, like the Psalms go through all the emotions. In seminary, I my final dissertation that I wrote was on the Psalms as the, as you know, it's the prayer book of the Bible, but I connected it with to music and I wrote about the blues and jazz, mm, that's you cool. know, and suffering and everything. And then subsequent liberation and freedom. But, and, and that's exactly what the Psalms were. They're written out of persecution. And then as soon as they come to the promised land, just these, these songs of joy and happiness. Mm. And, um, but to wrap it all up is just that the Psalms encapsulate the entirety of human emotion. So if you're feeling something, that's where you should start your prayer. Cause that's, it's only in reality that you find God. And if you're in a bad mood, that's reality. So yeah. are there. Yeah. Yeah. I just think this stuff is so important, man. Like, you know, people who listen to my podcast a lot probably will feel like I'm a broken record, but I, I just feel like we are just like we're many little trinities walking around. We're spirit, soul, and body, right? We're creating the image of God. And there's so much good stuff about developing your physical strength and fitness and your mental toughness, but not enough out there about how to grow your relationship with God, your spiritual fitness, as I like to call it. Um, and guys need this, man, like especially like in our space because they don't know how. There's no, there's not many practical guides to it. And, um, and then you guys get guys out there who are tough as nails mentally and physically, and then they crumble on the mountain and they don't know, cause they don't have any, any relationship, any connection to the, the real source, you know, when your strength ends and your, and your mental toughness ends. So I just think guys, you know, and, I, and so I applaud like what you're doing and guys need to see need to see this modeled and, and how this is, um, such an ever present help, you know, like, I mean, when I was in Alaska, man, like we did some stuff that was scaring the crap out of me, <laughs> but like, I knew God was good and like, you know, he's not going to abandon me, you know? So we did it and you know, it was good, man. I love, I just started Western hunting about four or five years ago. And man, every year I go, like I'm pumped out, pumped up going into the woods. Every year I go, I have a breakdown of some sort. <laughs> and I think every, they're honestly hunting, you know, regardless of what they say on social media. I think if they're really in there doing it the best they can, they will hit a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And, and it I, I, and it, it brings me to my utter humanity and my mortality and the fact that I can't save myself. And so every time I go west and hit those breaking points, it's like the Lord saying, like, hey, bud, I'm I'm God. You're not like, trust me. Yep. Unless yeah. Because all the rest of the year, I'm busy saving myself. And the whole, the whole time the Lord's like, hey, bro, you can't save yourself. Let me save you. <laughs> yep. Yep. And dude, Western hunting gets you to that point. That's one of the reasons why I love it, man. Like, and why I always, always pack in with me a Bible, a little tiny Bible, because I always get to a point in the hunt where like, dude, I need, I need some Jesus, man. Like, and you know, it just, that struggle, man, it gets you there. It makes you realize you're not in control. Uh, you can, mm-hmm. you can do your best to prepare, um, physically, mentally, spiritually, but, uh, it'll bring you there, man. <laughs> yeah. One, one little point while we're on this subject of like, yeah. Jesus, and if I can add it. 
something that I hear a lot is like, I'll hear guys say like, you know, hunting is my church or the woods is my church. Like, and I get this sentiment because I, I love being out there. It's a sacred place. So many, you know, Christians throughout history have called, have referred to creation as, as a, another gospel, the gospel of creation, you know, God's cathedral. Mm-hmm. And it is, but I would caution those guys to say, don't forget that God calls us to himself and then he sends us out to create community. So it's good that you're out there, but we have to be committed to some sort of community. You know, what that looks like in everybody's life is different, different churches, denominations, groups, communities, whatever it is. But I I would say like hunting can't take the place of of church, hunting can't take the place of God. It should lead us into a deeper relationship with the community and with the Lord. So, yes. um, so dude, I'm so feel- glad you said that. I, I totally am with you. Like, I feel like that's, I hate to say it, I feel like it's like a big time cop out when I hear people say that. Yeah. It's like you're worshiping the gift, not the gift giver. You know, yeah. like it's like a kid on Christmas, like opening up a present, being like, oh, thank you, present. I love you. Like, <laughs> when like the dad's like, hello, like I gave you that. Um, or like, like if you, if you relate it to like a cathedral, like it's like, it's like worshiping the church building and not like the reason the church building is there. Exactly. Yeah. It should foster the worship that, that we're doing. Yeah. And, uh, and so we hunt and it should draw us closer to the Lord, but it's every encounter with the Lord comes with a commission. It's impossible. God never calls us to himself without giving us a task to do. I'm not saying go mow the yard, son. I'm, he mean, I mean, it's like, go preach the gospel. Like, I have revealed myself to you so that you can go share this joy and bring other people to me. So, yeah. encounter with the Lord has a subsequent, necessarily a subsequent commission attached to it. So, it's um, just that the Lord always convicts me on that. I want the warm fuzzies, but I, I don't always want the work. And the Lord's like, yeah. uh, but, uh, if you want the warm fuzzies, well, Get get ready for the calluses too, son. Because yeah. we got. And even what you just said about like the joy and sharing the joy and community, like joy is made complete when you share it with someone else. You know, Amen. like when yeah. you see a sunset, your reaction is like, "Hey, look at," or like take a picture with your phone so you can share it. It's not as complete when you're just like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you got to share it with somebody. For, for real, like, oh, that's beautiful. I, I, I'm not going to tell anyone about it. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. Should, but explode, you know? Yeah, and that's how we're like we're made, man. Um, okay, cool. So that's good stuff, man. Um, well, like, I got, I've just been ch- taking notes here on the side. That's why I keep looking over here. But um, so yeah, going back into joining the priesthood and 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 answering that call because. Um, more so, first, any life of full-time ministry is tough. I worked in full-time ministry for a couple years. It was tough. But the Catholic priesthood is, like, next level. Like you said, it's all in. I mean, it is really all in. Um, was it scary? What was that process like? Talk me yeah. through all that. Yeah, it was. still is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good reminder that it, it's not about me and I'm not in control but I'm just an instrument in the Lord's hand. I got to do work and be faithful to it. And he works through that. So, um, you know, just the Lord put this on my heart to do. And the cool thing about our, you know, 
Catholic formation, and we, and we call it formation because it's not just education. We don't just go to school for eight years. It's a whole formation, a formation of the whole person. So we focus on, of course, academics, but also our human formation. That's how I live as a human being, my relationship skills, my maturity, things like that pastoral ministry, and also my spiritual life, all these areas. And it's an eight-year program, four years of philosophy that I did in, in Louisiana, southern Louisiana, with some monks. So that was really cool, you know, like... like <laughs> spiritual, yeah, some monks yeah. in, in southern Louisiana, I like it. Yeah. Cool, man. And the Benedictines, and their their motto is Ora et Labora, so pray and work. That's all they do, they, just, they mm. pray. Um, so I studied philosophy down there four years uh, in Southern Louisiana. After that, I was in Rome, Italy, uh, at the Vatican for four years studying theology, which was fascinating. Through all that, though, like just the Lord taught me so much about trusting in Him. And one of the big things, like through all my life experiences, like God has really shown me that there's so much more to the story. And in ministry, I try to always keep that in mind because that's what it's about. It's about remi- remembering that. There's so much more to the story that we don't know. And that's what salvation is. Accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior is is making this profession that we believe that there's more going on than we realize. We don't understand it, but I trust that the author of life does. And so so he's going to take care of me. And so then it's a process of me learning that and believing that, have the conviction of that, living out of that, and then inviting others to do the same. So to bring it back, like to the, the scary part, is it scary? Yeah. Like, God made us for, for community. He created us to be fruitful and multiply. He, he made man to be with woman and woman to be with man and to have kids and, and to create, create community, create family. One of the reasons that we, we forego marriage is, is that so we can prefigure what life in heaven will be like. It's, we're just face to face with the Lord and, um, and it's also a, a way of kind of showing the all-in kind of commitment. Um, does it get lonely sometimes? Yeah. It, you know, but what that does every time that loneliness comes is it can either lead me to do like have addictions or like bad stuff or sin, or it can lead me to to rely more on the Lord, which is the ultimate goal in, in those moments to, to be reminded that it's up to the Lord. So, anyway, you know, I, I could go down so many different areas, all that to say like, it's important to have healthy lifestyle, you know, good eating, good sleeping, good fitness, good hobbies, and have good friends that I can talk to and be be vulnerable with, you know, and that's been been super important. But yeah, I don't think I answered your question other than saying, no, yeah, you tough, and I still don't have an answer for it, but I just keep showing up and doing the best I can. Yeah. And you may have kind of already answered it, but I did have as one of my questions, like what's What's the hardest part about your job? Probably the hardest part is not always seeing the fruits of my labors. Mm. But as a man, you know, I like to start a job and finish it. That that brings men so much joy. We are providers. That's what that's that's why God made us to provide for our families, to protect and defend them and give them what's necessary for life. Go out, kill an animal bring the, the animal back to the cave for my little tribe, you know, mow the yard or build a new little stone castle that we all live in. You know what, whatever. Yeah. A new, um, start a task and finish it in ministry, man. A lot of times it doesn't hurt. I mean, it doesn't happen. And it hurts, man. The Lord just wants us to plant the seeds and then he waters them and grows them in their own time. And so that's one hard part. 
talking with people and, you know, counseling them, things like that. And then not always getting a follow-up or hearing like how it went or stuff like that, or busting my butt and feel like I'm not seeing fruits. Mm. Another thing really tough is like, like the nine lepers that didn't come back. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> or the countless, like the scribes and Pharisees that the Lord continued to preach to them. They just wouldn't do it. Like, mm. like I'm not a professional in any of this. I'm a broken sinner, just like everyone else. Um, but the Lord's called me to lead my people. And so it, another challenge is whenever somebody comes and asks for advice or something and I give it to them and they, and they don't do it. It's like, I, I gave you what you need to do to, get your life back in order mm. and they don't do it. And, and it's just like, you know, it's like, I imagine that's what a parent feels like when their kids are just on, you know, on drugs or just going down a bad path. And the parent is just over and over son, daughter, come on. And they're just not doing it. Just that heartbreak, you know? So that, that's yeah. kind of some, not seeing the fruits of the labors whenever I want to see them. <laughs> God always lets me see them in his own time. <laughs> and then so whenever people don't take, take my vocation seriously, you know, and the advice that I give them. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. Um, so what, uh, what, like, what does your job exactly right now look like? Like what's your kind of duties and what, what do you do exactly? Yeah. I just moved last summer. So to this new church in the city of Little Rock, I'm in South Little Rock, pretty rough area. I'm at the, the largest Catholic church in the city of Little Rock. We have about 9,000 people in the church, probably 85% Hispanic. We have a, a school that's pre-K through eighth grade here on, on the property. We have six services every weekend. Um, so ministry, preaching over the weekends, visiting the school on a regular basis, the sick, people in the hospital, counseling, and then just running the school and the, and the church. Uh, you know, comes with a lot of administrative stuff, you know, employees, the secretaries, the receptionists, the bookkeepers, uh, working with the principal and director of the school and the teachers, finances. It's nearly a two million dollar budget between the school wow. and the church. It's just it's so expensive, man. So you're like the main man at that church. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty nice. crazy. Yeah. Like I never would have, <laughs> you know, I'll be 38 in November that. I would be pastor at a church that has more people than the city I grew up in. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's cool, man. So, um, so, yeah. A little bit of everything, man. A little bit of everything. I mean, whenever the, you know, back in January, the sewage got backed up in one of the bathrooms of the church. So while my associate was doing his services, I was doing plumbing. I'll go out <laughs> and mow and I'll trim the hedges and um, I'll, I'll paint buildings and, and I'll visit the sick and everything in between. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Um, all right. So talk to me a little bit about spiritual warfare. So I'm interested in, yeah. um, you ever, uh, I don't know. You ever dealt with, uh, demoniacs, that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, the devil is real and he hates you and he will do everything he can to destroy your life and those you love. Very often Satan tries to destroy us through the things that we're passionate about and the people that we love. Very rarely will he attack us directly. He, he prefer think of the, the dirtiest, dirtiest player on the sports field or the, the, the most sinister of enemies on a battlefield. They're not going to come to you at mm -hmm. two o'clock in the afternoon on the battlefield. They're going to sneak in the middle of the night in your, your, your weaknesses and your weak spot, come in the back door. 
So that's kind of the, the brief intro of what spiritual warfare is. Satan, he, he comes at us through through our weaknesses, through our, especially through our wounds from the past. So um, my, uh, my mom and my grandmother did an amazing job raising me, but they were pretty hard on me. And, and so one of the wounds that I have now is this feeling that I'm never good enough and uh, which can create insecurities and doubts and Satan loves that. So that's just a concrete oh, yeah. example that he'll take a wound from my past of my mom and grandma, for example, being hard on me because they want, they wanted the best for me, but it's a, there was a wound there. I, I felt like I was never good enough or I never did good enough job. And so Satan will now say, yeah, you're a loser, dude. You're destroying this place. What do you, you're not even, you're incapable. What do you, why are you wasting your time? Mm. You know? So, um, so how do we combat these things? Well, we, we, to the best things for spiritual warfare, just like in real battle are vigilance and simplicity on the battlefield. You don't want things to be complicated. You want steady routines with, with simple structures around you. And so what does that look like in daily life? Well, Church every weekend, reading your scriptures every day, doing small acts of mortification or penance every single day. And what is that? That's like penance or mortification is is like um, intentionally choosing a suffering for the sake of a greater good. So, for example, fasting um, or giving up, you know, not drinking sodas or, um, you know, whatever it may be, but intentionally creating a discomfort for the sake of learning how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know? Hmm. Uh, so regular routines, regular charitable outreach. So loving and serving your neighbor are some of the best things. Also, I mean, it sounds simple, but sin, avoiding sin. So, I mean, drugs, porn, uh, various addictions are, are, are really windows through which Satan will just creep in. So yeah. putting up holds against those things not being afraid to ask for help if, if you struggle with those things, you know, um, connected with the asking for help is like Satan wants everything to be hidden. He wants you yeah. to think that you're the only person in the world with this problem and that no one else can know about it or you're going to be a complete failure. He wants you to keep it in the dark, bring it to the light. That doesn't mean like put all your sins on, on Facebook or Instagram, <laughs> but, but like have a mentor that you trust in a pastor, a friend, whoever, Somebody that you can say, hey, man, I'm struggling with ABC or XYZ is going on, man. And and it's just it, I keep fighting with it. I keep struggling with it, but it keeps coming back. I don't want to do it. You know, St. Paul, you know, why do I do what I don't want to do? And I can't do what I want to do, you know. Mm. And so bring it to the light. Satan hates that. Satan hates that. So that's kind of some brief things on spiritual warfare. Totally. Yeah, that's all really good stuff, man. Yeah, I feel like especially guys now like. I just feel like, you know, porn is such a big one. It's so insidious and like everything about society wants to like convince you that like it's normal to watch yeah. porn and it's not, and it's really damaging. Um, you know, so anyway, but yeah, I love that about just bringing it to the light, man. Like, um, that's, that's so good. Um, what it does with that, just, I mean, just cause you mentioned it and there may be people who struggle with it. We don't have to go down that, but yeah. Pornography or, almost any other sort of vicious sin or addiction like that is that what happens is that it takes away the dignity of the person. Mm. So the person, you know, is, is no longer a, 
a subject, you know, a human being, but just an object that you that you control and you're dominating. And God doesn't want that for any of us, you know. And it's just like, um, you know, sin is like so progressive. Like, you know, like I said, devil's looking for that little crack in the door. Mm -hmm. He's going to wiggle a toe in. And then he's going to put a couple toes in. And before you know it, the whole foot's in there. And then, like, the door's getting kicked open. And I feel like that's, like, one of the reasons why, like, things are... And, again, I don't want to go all the way down this, like, pornography rabbit hole. But, like, one of the reasons why there's so much, like, perversion, I feel like, in society right now is because that was, like, an area where the devil guys toe in just to convince normal guys, even Christian guys, that, like, eh, a little bit of porn's normal or whatever. Uh, and then you start... Obviously, it progresses. You need you know, more and more graphic images to get to the same level or whatever. And so same with drugs, um, you know, so it's just, you gotta be really careful, man, and be vigilant all the time. And, and like you said, like the devil is subtle, like the biggest place or the, the most advantageous place for him to be is the place where like, you don't believe he's real. Yeah. Or you don't believe that evil is real or the devil is real because, I mean, that's that's the place he wants to be. He doesn't care. Like, cause he doesn't care if you believe him or not. He's real. And the more, yeah. if you don't believe in him, that's just just like with addiction. Like, the first way to get out of addiction is to admit you have a problem. If you don't yeah. believe that evil is a problem, you can't ever overcome it. Yeah. So. And it didn't happen with one instance. It was gradual, like you said. And so the healing is going to be gradual as well. Mm. Yeah. For those that's who are good, listening, be patient with yourself. Like the Lord, the Lord will heal you and it's going to take time. But, yeah. yeah. Well, cool, man. This has been a really good conversation. I enjoyed it. Um, so I want to say thank you for your service, man. And, uh, both military and in uh, God's army <laughs> and, uh, enjoy talking to you, dude. Yeah, man. Thanks. Praise the Lord. And keep up the good work you, you know, yourself and just, yeah, everyone out there. I mean, be all in like, find what gives you authentic joy and give it everything you got and, and be grateful with, with, with the blessings that you get out of it. And, um, your life's not about you, but it's, it's, uh, it's worth living and it's worth the fight too. Yeah. So. Amen. Yeah. I guess my closing thought would be just like, you're going to hit the gym and try to make yourself mentally tough. Hit that, uh, hit that Bible, hit that quiet time, get that in, make a practice of it. <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks a lot, Hunter, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Good talking to you. God bless. 